Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening to Three Guys in a Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Come on, let the girl go. Just between you and me. Don't deprive yourself of some pleasure. Come on, Bennett. Let's party. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Commando. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from what's left of Valverde, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Hey. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Welcome back, John. So glad you could make it. All right. Uh, and you know what? Welcome back to us. Uh, three guys took a couple weeks off there, but we are back and we are entering in. This is it, boys. Round 10 of the three guys search for the best 80s action flick out there. And we end it all with Commando. And then we never do any other 80s action flicks again? Uh, at least not for a while. Okay. Not for a while. I think we need a little break. I think so. Uh, lucky for us, uh, we get to go see Kevin Smith. So Clerks 3 is coming right around the corner. So uh, stay tuned for that. And what else is around the corner? What holiday? I believe a certain Halloween. Halloween is back, baby. So we... At some point, we should probably talk about what we're going to do for that. But Well, if you read my text messages, you'd already know. Well, that was a suggestion. Nobody said okay. <laughs> so, I mean. Meaning Don didn't say okay. But you didn't say no. Ah, well played. Well played. I did not say no. But that is neither here nor there at the moment. Tonight, we are talking about Commando, which was released on October 4th, 1985. It was directed by Mark L. Lester. Screenplay by Stephen E. D'Souza. Story by Joseph Loeb III, Matthew Wiseman, and Stephen E. D'Souza. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Dong Chong, Alyssa Milano, Vernon Wells, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $9 million, and it brought in $58 million. And you know, after doing a lot of these movies, is this $58 million theatrical? I believe so. It's box office. It's uh, I assume it's how it did the first weekend, or I mean the first run. Yeah, so... Uh, well, actually, it's total accumulation. Is it? Yeah, because initially in, in uh, 1985, it made... $35 million. I would like to submit a modest correction as well. Last week's Rambo First Blood Part 2, the number, the third highest grossing movie was not Rocky Four, as I had previously stated. Actually, the third highest grossing movie in 1985 was Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, well, there you go. Beverly Hills Cop brought in 130 and Rocky Four was number four with $105 million. But it did accrue 
the 300 million. Uh, so commando, this is round 10. This is it. And you know, if you have been listening, uh, again, we say thank you. And you know that for this list, we had a, uh, set criteria for the films and, you know, does Commando hit this list of criteria? What was the criteria, Don? Well, I've gone over it like nine times. Well, well about- no, you you stopped doing, I think, the last few of them. So I think people might have forgotten. So you're saying I should do it again? I'm thinking you might need to do it again. Professor? What, do you, do you think we need one more guy? You think we need one more guy? All right, we'll get one more guy. The criteria is... A muy macho hero with quotable one-liners played by a recognizable star, an over-the-top villain, a montage sequence, over-the-top chase scenes, epic fight scenes, a villain speech or monologue, a final showdown, and oh crap death for the bad guy, franchise potential, around a 90-minute runtime, a high body count, and a cool ride. Commando hits a lot of these. No shit. But, you know, ultimately what I really feel like it comes down to, when we talk about our 80s action movies, what's really in the back of our heads all the way along? It's Schwarzenegger versus Stallone. That's really what it comes down to in the back of our heads. And it's kind of fitting that we end with Schwarzenegger exactly. versus Stallone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, when did uh, Rambo 2 come out? Was when? it? I think it was May. Yeah, because it was the same year. Yeah, no, Rambo 2 came out first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know that. And then Commando came out, what, October? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, different times. And, you know, Commando's way down there on, on the list. It came in just below uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and just over Silverado. Yeah, and I think that this is uh, Arnold's kind of... This is his transition from the, uh, the, the heroes or the villains that... They don't speak much. There's not a lot of depth to them. They're just kind of, they're really a Terminator and a Barbarian, you know. But after Commando, he kind of goes into that leading man uh, action star phase, right? They're giving him um, more, I guess, more responsibility in these movies, hoping that his acting will improve, which Mm -hmm. it doesn't. But, you know, after, after it's all said and done, we get, uh, Terminator 2. We get True Lies. We get Arnold who becomes Arnold, right? And I really do think that, yes, Conan and Terminator started him. I think this one was the springboard that turned Arnold into who he became. Mm-hmm. D'Souza, the, uh, the screenwriter, in writing this, Arnold was very grateful to have him being portrayed as a normal person before he starts killing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about D'Souza. All right. The screenwriter. So he has definitely some good action movies under his belt. Before this, in 1982, he had 48 hours. And after this, then we get uh, The Running Man in 1987. We get Die Hard in 88, Die Hard 2 in 90. And he also does Judge Dredd. So he's got a nice little run of action movie screenplays under his belt. Yeah, this guy can write some action. For sure. Uh, did you notice who did the music for this? James Horner, man. And weren't we talking about Rambo? It was Jerry Goldsmith. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, he's probably the most prolific composer. And then we turn around, we get James Horner. I mean, James Horner is a big name. 
You know what I mean? Absolutely. Braveheart, Titanic. I mean, mm-hmm. it goes on and on and on with this guy. Um, so another action f- film that has great composers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I definitely have, man, I fucking love the steel drums. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And then the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> that was given several times throughout. And, and yeah, I, I dug that. You know what it kind of sounded like to me? 48 hours. Oh, sure. I can see that. The saxophone part? Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it is 48 hours, but they just added the steel drums. Do you know what the inspiration was for this movie? Rambo? No. Oh. Well, they came out at pretty much at the same time, so they couldn't necessarily inspire. Well, it all depends on You're when. Ta- are you it all depends on when they actually blood. got made. You meant First Blood when you said Rambo. That's exactly what I meant. Thank you, sir. Well, since I'm the comic book guy, I have to bring up this reference that there's a movie out there that Schwarzenegger always wanted to make but never got to make it. Uh, so this movie is actually inspired by the comic book series, the, the comic book character Sergeant Rock, which is interesting because Joseph Loeb, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's an avid comic book writer. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Sergeant Rock. There you go. Still no Rambo, but that's fine. Now, here's the big question. I think I already know the answer to this. I have a feeling it's going to be that. Rambo. Who had the best haircut? Between Arnold and Rambo? Yeah. Was it better with the spiky short or the long mullet? Is that a real question? It's not a mullet. Well, the long hair. Oh, I I will go long hair all the time. That's what I figured. All the time. I think I would too. Okay. You would go short. No, I, I will have to say this is probably Schwarzenegger's best hair movie. Because this is what really, I think, epitomized him with that short, spiky hair. But other than that, i got to go with the Rambo hair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know the other thing this movie has going for it? Rambo? Joel Silver. Joel Silver. Joel, Good old Joel. Joel Silver is a producer that was very prolific in the 80s and early 90s. And he is in his infancy here. This is probably his fourth or fifth production that he does uh he started out just before this where he had some real name recognition with 48 hours but then you know he had this and after this then you get lethal weapon predator die hard roadhouse lethal weapon 2 predator 2 lethal weapon 3 demolition man uh, executive decision conspiracy theories lethal weapon 4 the matrix swordfish this guy is a giant for making a particular kind of action movie yeah and you know there are uh, producers out there that have their own style and stamp and joel silver is definitely one of those producers regarding the the script did you know that arnold wasn't the first choice for this he wasn't even the second choice to play this character matrix in this movie who was the first the first choice was Gene Simmons. Oh, really? Yep. That's who the uh, uh, Joseph Loeb, when he wrote the script, actually envisioned it for Gene Simmons. And when Gene Simmons turned it down, do you know who he went to next? Paul Stanley. No. Nick Nolte. Oh, thank God Nick Nolte didn't get it. Yeah, he thought about having the movie kind of take a different direction where you had an ex- you know, Green Beret type commando character who was burned out and had let himself go. Yeah, that, that probably wouldn't have worked so much. That'd be a train wreck. Yeah, oh. sounds like a train wreck. I feel like it would just put in the character from 48 Hours. Oh, yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about this cast. Uh, of course, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then you have Radon Chong, who plays... Cindy. 
the flight attendant. And what did you guys think of her? I thought that she had a lot of really fun lines in the movie. She really backed up Matrix's character really nicely with some of her own lines. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed the character, for sure. I liked her. I just don't know if I bought into her, if she was a strong enough character to kind of work alongside Schwarzenegger, but she worked. I mean, she did work. In fact, they had filmed a love scene that they cut from the movie. Gee, I can't imagine why. Why do you think they would cut the love scene? Hmm. And this is a Joel Silver movie. Yeah. Oh, but you did have the motel part. Oh, right. Oh, did you guys notice that he was on all fours and she was behind him? Yeah, use your imagination on that one. And there was a video camera set up in the I corner. I spotted that <laughs> this last time. I have, Wait a minute. Was that a camera? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's a camera. I have watched this movie a thousand times. Never and, noticed it before never this noticed the time. Camera. Right. Yeah. Well, hilarious. But then, but then I started thinking, but weren't they under the covers when the door got kicked in? So, it's I mean, a what's lot, the camera getting? It's a lot easier to see all of that when you just hit pause. That's you, bud. <laughs> so did, did you know that then? You knew about the video camera? That's when Julie had her hand over my eyes. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Alongside Radon Chong, we get a, a young Alyssa Milano coming off of, or actually just starting, Who's the Boss? I thought she did a really good job as a character, although I didn't buy that she was Arnold's daughter. Totally. Yeah, it did seem like she was a little tiny to be his daughter. And, you know, her scenes that she was in were good. But most of it was just her being victimized the whole movie. And I have, I, I got to ask this question, guys. She's like 12 in this movie. Why is he always carrying her? Because he's got these really big cannons. Mm-hmm. Battleships. And I think the fact that she was so small, it made him look bigger. That, that, that doesn't answer my question about him always carrying her. Well, is it had, weird? They had to have her in the arms to show the size difference. No, no, they didn't. That's insane. Um, it was weird. And watching it again, I just kept thinking to myself, every time she jumped up into his arms, I'm thinking, okay, hugging her one, is one thing and then putting her down. But she's like 12 years old. And, she, and he's carrying her around like she was three. You still carry your daughter around. Shit, she's taller than I am. No, I don't. So there you go. And then, you know, we have Vernon Wells. Where do we know Vernon from? The Road War. Which I believe, listeners, is podcast number two at the bottom of your feed, The Road Warrior. And what was his name in that movie? Wes. Uh, do you know he was a late casting for this movie? And that's why the outfit that he wore was so tight because it was designed for someone else. Who was it designed for? Originally, uh, Vernon Wells' outfit was designed for Wings Hauser, who I guess got the part originally. Uh, but he ended up getting fired and then they brought in and, uh, Vernon. Oh, interesting. Well, lucky for us. So, But don't you kind of feel like he was like a Freddie Mercury on steroids? Uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was on steroids. Well, maybe. Um, Yeah, he totally had a Freddie Mercury vibe, for sure. So looking at him on IMDb, he's got like 250 plus acting credits. But what struck me about him is that he has around 40, 40 credits that are in pre- or filming, or post-production. Wow. 40. He's still out there. What the fuck? Hey, man. That's he, a busy guy. Yeah, and good for him. I mean, if he's doing something he loves. I mean, how many people can say that? 
Now, his inspiration for his character, I guess, from the director and the screenwriter was that not only did he want to kill Matrix, but secretly he was in love with Matrix. Did you get that vibe from him? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he probably had a lot of wood. Yeah, especially at the end. So, David Patrick Kelly, he played uh, he played Sully? Yes. Where else do you recognize him from? Oh, one of my favorite movies. The number one movie of this podcast down at the end of your feet. Yeah, the, one of my favorite roles of him, The Crow. Yeah. Uh, where else? Just off the top of your head. First thing pops in your head? Charlie. Who's Charlie? Charlie is in this movie... Uh, let me set it up. I'd like to make a reservation for 12. I'd like to make a res- I'd like oh, to make a dinner reservation yes, for 12. Yes. That's not where I went though. Were you thinking Warriors? I was thinking the Warriors. Way back when. But you're 100% and tell you the truth professor I forgot that he was in John Wick and I forgot how much I actually enjoyed him in John Wick. Yeah, no, he's great. I, I like Dave Patrick Kelly. Uh, Bill Duke. Bill Duke, Predator. From Predator. So we have Arnold and his buddies, right? Yes. Yeah, I and, really like Bill Duke. And who else is in this movie that's in two other movies with Arnold? Okay, hang on. I like where you're going with this. Bill Paxton. Yeah, yes. isn't that, that Gracie in that, him? I completely forgot that so he did had I. a scene. So that was a pleasant surprise to see him in this movie. Yeah, Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Retired U.S. Army Colonel John Matrix is informed by his former superior, Major General Franklin Kirby, that all of the other members of his former unit have been killed by unknown mercenaries. The mercenaries, among them Bennett, an ex-member of Matrix's team, discharged for excessive violence, attack Matrix's secluded mountain home and kidnap his young daughter Jenny. While trying to intercept them, Matrix is overpowered and abducted by the mercenaries. He is taken before their commander, Arius, a former South American dictator, Matrix removed from power. Arius blackmails Matrix into carrying out a political assassination in his home country of Valverde, where he wishes to lead a military coup. With Jenny's life on the line, Matrix seemingly agrees to fulfill the demand. So this movie kind of opens, it's a kind of a cold opening, really. Um, the, the garbage uh, truck scene. Yeah, the guy wakes up, he has to take out the garbage, stand there taking out the garbage, get shot, and then, you know, you, you kind of go along with it. And then we cut to Cook with the Cadillac. And then, you know, he drives through the window, and we're being told that these people are being offed, you know, uh, for a reason. And then kind of, I guess, looking back on it, the this part's kind of confusing. It is. Okay. Uh, we see Bennett, Vernon Wells, on a boat, and we, see, and we see Bill Duke's, Cook's character. And, you know, the boat starts to take off, and then uh, Cook takes out a detonator, I guess, and he blows up the boat. A 1980s detonator. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that thing was a box. <laughs> it really was. Uh, and he blows up the boat. Uh, can anybody tell me what is the advantage of Bennett faking his own death? My guess was so that he could just disappear and that if there was any witnesses, they would all think he's dead. I don't know. My only take on it was that I thought that it was supposed to add to the illusion that that uh, Matrix's team is being offed. And so he was just one of the... The team that got offed. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, just- but he was on the other team's side the whole time. So it, it, it it's it's a weak story arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They thought we'd get a big ooh and ah when oh it's revealed that he's still alive. 
Yeah, well, that didn't work. No, that didn't happen. Because like five minutes later, he is revealed. And 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 the way and the way that you have Cook and Bennett looking at at each other, they clearly know each other, and neither is surprised by the appearance of the other. Right, right. Which is silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, but then we are introduced to Arnold, and Arnold is carrying a chainsaw and a big fucking log. It's a tree, man. He's carrying a big fucking tree. What would you guys think of this opening with Arnold? Fucking awesome. It gives you a good impression of just our, who our main character is. I mean, this is the guy he is. He's, he's pumped. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, he's doing his household chores or whatever, and then we get introduced to... Yeah, we get introduced to Jenny, but this is where the credits start to roll and we get our first montage. Yeah, and Matrix is the happy father and happy daughter. Right. And this is kind of where watching it again last night, I was like, eh, I don't know if I, I don't buy the chemistry between. It was schmaltzy. It was. I mean, the whole ice cream bit. Yes. What the fuck are they doing? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And it's Arnold, man. I'm sorry. Arnold cannot act. He didn't even have any dialogue for that. Yeah. <laughs> We don't really go to Arnold movies to see him act. You don't expect to get a acting sensation from him. Yeah, but at some point, I mean, you you got. I mean, you can root for Arnold, and you know what to expect. But the at the the way that he can't act, it takes me out of it, and it just I don't know. It just takes me out of it. Originally, the producers didn't want him to have any lines. They wanted him to be silent pretty much the whole movie. But then the writers decided he's got to have these one-liners, so he's got to speak some in this movie. Right. Well, if he doesn't talk, then it's just a Terminator again, mm-hmm. right? So, and he's already done that. But yeah, we get introduced to um, Matrix and him and Jenny are having Jenny. lunch. <laughs> uh, did you notice what they were having for lunch? Why They were having sandwiches, but I got to ask you. Why were the tomatoes on and the, plate? the lettuce on the plate, not on the sandwich? I don't know. I have no clue, but they were kind of hinting that it was a weird sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then the wubba, 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 wubba of the helicopter. And you know that it could be bad news. And this is where we get introduced to Colonel G- Troutman. <laughs> Kirby. General Kirby. Oh, my bad. I thought I was, yeah, my bad, my bad. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Wouldn't have been funny if it was Troutman. It, come on. Come he, on. He it's, had more soldiers. It's 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 Troutman. Um, yeah, uh, Kirby comes to tell Matrix that, you know, all of your crew is being offed, and um, we're going to leave these two guys here to protect you, and, you know, everything will be okay. And immediately after Kirby leaves... The two, they come under attack, right? Immediately. So here's my question. Why wait for Kirby to leave? Why not just kill him too? I mean, I mean, he's a high-ranking officer. Why wait till he leaves? They probably didn't want the firefight. I mean, it obviously was in the script that way, but they didn't want the firefight because they wanted to take Arnold alive. They wanted to take Matrix alive, and that's just more bullets flying. Eh, I suppose, I guess. Uh, what did you guys think of the bit where they come after Arnold? Well, the first part I thought was interesting is when he goes into the house and he drags that other soldier in with him. And it's like, you know, he talks about how, didn't you know they were out there? He's like, I didn't know they were out there. Well, I smelled them. 
Yeah, well, he tells them, you know, they're downwind or what, what. Oh, yeah. And he goes, what did, uh, he goes, I couldn't smell him or I didn't smell him. And Arnold's like, I did, you know, because he's a badass, yeah. right? And we're supposed to set that up. But my favorite line is, uh, stay down. I have to get to my shed. Because <laughs> you know he has a fucking shed of just uh, guns, 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 and more guns, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Jenny does probably what any kid in that situation would probably do, run to their room and crawl under the bed. Where there's nothing underneath a, a little child's bed. Right. Bullshit. Yeah. It's just clean because, you know, I mean, she is growing up with a commando. Yeah. He, he probably tells her to, you know... Um, put her shoes away and shit and leave uh, the bed clear. He does a bunk check and everything to make sure that everything's ship shape. Yep. And then he, and then she jumps into his arms and he carries her around the fucking house <laughs> with his weird sandwiches, <laughs> but she made those sandwiches. So um, we digress. Uh, so they kidnap Jenny and Arnold manages to get some guns. He takes some people out uh, and then he runs upstairs. Well, he takes one. Does he take somebody out downstairs? Yeah, he shoots somebody. Oh, I, I'm, he probably does. Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, he kills a lot of people in this I, movie. Yeah. Well, no, but I, I thought the first guy he killed was the guy who was telling him this is the way it is. Yeah, it was. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he goes upstairs, and the guy who's sitting in the chair, and I like this bit, you know, because he says, hey, man, just relax. <laughs> <laughs> we got your kid it's gonna be all good you're gonna cooperate right wrong and then he fucking shoots him in the head i i I appreciate that about arnold my first thought when i saw that was wow he just screwed up but then i thought well obviously they didn't kill him they took the daughter they want him alive so he knows that so he has no problem killing that guy oh well he yeah he had no problem to begin with he was going after his kid Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. That's exactly what, that's the only thing that was in his mind, right? Mm-hmm. He has to protect Jenny. And he runs out to the car and they take all the wires out and he's got to push the car downhill. He struggles really hard to get that car moving, right? Would you say? I mean, it cuts back, cuts it, to it, his feet. Right. It, it, he, it, he's struggling. It showed his feet get, getting traction, trying to get it going. Yeah. But later in the film, he rips open a chain. And then he plunges a pipe through a human body into another steel pipe. He also so, lifts up a car that's on its side. And he picks up a fucking phone booth. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how come he's struggling with the car? Maybe he's a little rusty. Okay. He hadn't stretched okay. yet. Okay. Okay. I'll buy it. I bet. I just want to point that out. I just want to point What do you out. think of this scene of him kind of rocketing down the hill while the cars are just driving along. It's what I would have done. It's the only way to get the car going. This, He's not going to run after him. Throughout this movie, he just has like the most amazing luck. Oh, absolutely. And then the other things I notice is, and again, you know, little things I've learned to look for, basically from you, Don, is weird cuts and continuity and all that. Do you notice that sometimes it looked like the car was almost ready to flip over and then it was right perfect again? And it made me feel like true lies when we were watching them going down the ice road uh-huh. and just how it was weirdly cut. I felt that way about this going down the hill. Oh, yeah. This movie screams continuity issues. But that's okay because all other nine films we watched also mm-hmm. do it too. So now it's it's kind of a fun thing, right? That should have been one of our categories. You know, how many continuity errors or what are the most continuity errors? Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think Rambo and Commando win with the bullets from the M50 gun. 
to just keep, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So he manages to derail the cars, and in and while doing that, he kind of screws himself because he gets out of the car, he's surrounded, he takes out one guy, and then he gets a, a butt of a gun to the back, and he falls down, and then Bennett shows himself. But I thought this fucker was just dead, right? So mm-hmm. big reveal. He shoots him with a trank, and our hero is knocked out. So what would you guys think of this whole thing? For Arnold, it should have taken like three or four of those things to knock him out. <laughs> His hit points uh, vary throughout this entire film, right? Mm-hmm. So so when he wakes up, we get to find out just what it is that the bad guys have in mind for Matrix. And it turns out that the former dictator that he and his team took out of power right. uh, wants power again. And so he recruited Bennett, who was kicked out of Matrix's group because he was too excessive. Um, hires Bennett to help him. So they uh, kidnap Matrix and he tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to assassinate the new president so I can take over again. And Matrix says, why don't you just use Bennett? And the uh, general says, well, because the president trusts you. You know, so there's there's a rhyme and reason to why they're doing this. And so they are holding Jenny as ransom. This president, Arius, uh, I think it was Arius or Arius, mm-hmm. uh, the actor that plays him, I can't remember what his name is, but every time I see him in anything, all I can think of is Cheers. Dan Hedaya? Is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always see his character that he played on Cheers. Interesting. Interesting. He has been in a lot of things. Has he? Yeah. I always absolutely. jump to Clueless. That's where I was going with it, too. Cher's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just jumped to Clueless. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is also in uh, Night at the Roxbury. Oh, yeah. Is, mm-hmm. Which is also a fun Will Ferrell flick. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Dan Hedaya. So, Arnold, he, he's got a sexy camera shot of him on the bed. They, they've got the camera up close right in his face, and it's a, it's a pretty shot each time they show Arnold's face. So during this, uh, you know, they're telling Arnold what he needs to do. He tells them to go fuck themselves, obviously, but then they roll Jenny out. Now he's got no choice. He's got to do it or at least make them think that he's going to do it whilst having another plan in the back of his head. Mm -hmm. After boarding a plane, a DC-1010 operated by Western Airlines from Los Angeles Airport to Valverde, Matrix manages to kill his guard and jump from the plane just as it is taking off. With approximately 11 hours before the plane is scheduled to land, he sets out after another one of Ari's men, Sully. He enlists the aid of an off-duty flight attendant, Cindy, and instructs her to follow Sully to the shopping mall. Cindy first assumes that Matrix is a madman, but after she sees Sully pull a gun on Matrix in the ensuing fight, she decides to assist him in his endeavor. After a lengthy car chase, Matrix catches up with Sully and drops him off a cliff to his death. Taking a motel key from Sully's jacket, Matrix tracks down and confronts Cook, a former Green Beret in Arius's employ. He impales Cook on the table of a leg right after a lengthy fight. Matrix tells Cindy that Arius was going to kill Jenny regardless of whether he did the job or not. Afterward, Matrix and Cindy break into a warehouse owned by Aris that supplies weapons for his army. Matrix learns where Jenny is being held after he looks at the map of the island where Aris's villa is located. So now we're off to the airport. And he gets on the plane. And I thought this part was kind of ingenious. What did you guys think of the whole bit of him getting on the plane and then getting off? How it all went down. Uh, you know, normally in these movies, you would 
you wouldn't see that kind of thing happening. I thought that was a clever storyline to work in the idea of he would be out of contact for 11 hours, so that gives him 11 hours to accomplish his mission. Yeah. Which is an interesting point because the vast majority of this movie takes place over pretty much the 11 hours. Yeah. So it, it, it's pretty compressed. And, and I dug that about the story. And I thought that was also a, a really fun way to get him off the airplane. I thought that was very clever that having him on the plane and Sully still watching the plane and Sully watches the plane actually take off like he, like you should do, right? Right. As opposed to, eh, good enough. And then to have Arnold, to have Matrix sneak his way out of the plane, I thought eh, it worked, you know, for him to ju- to drop into the marshlands. Well, I mean, he's superhuman, apparently, so of course he survives. Or at least he has, again, the greatest luck in the world. Well, maybe. The whole way he dispatches his guard, puts a uh, blanket on him, puts his head down, and we get the great one-liner. Well, my first thought before that, my first thought was the way he dispatched the guy. First of all, he just punched him really hard, really loud. The two people in the front don't even flinch. He cracks his neck to the point where we as listeners or viewers, we can hear the crack. Again, the two people in the front don't even flinch or look back. If someone's like having a fight right behind me, I'm going to look back. Because you want your ass to get kicked? I don't know, but there that was something odd. Yeah, maybe. I mean... Or at least to tell him to shut the hell up. I mean, the way it all kind of went down, it was kind of fluid, right? He, he leans forward, then he knocks him down, then he grabs him, snaps his neck real quick, and then puts everything on him. Um, I, I, I thought it was fine. I did too. And then we are instantly given some context, some important information, when we find out that we have 11 hours. And... <laughs> cracked me up you know as we zoom in on the watch boop boop yeah boop a lot of zooms here yes a lot of zooms in this film yes that is for sure so he makes his way down below the plane which no way does this ever happen no way are you standing and walking up and down the aisles during takeoff there's no way but anyways uh, it was well, the she- 80s so it might have I like because uh, I just got off a plane but I like when uh, the the flight attendant says, uh, we are now preparing for takeoff. Please, you know, uh, buckle your seatbelts, blah, 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 and extinguish your cigarettes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back when they could smoke on a plane. Yeah. Well, she did. The stewardess did tell him to take a seat. Mm-hmm. Didn't he say something sick. about having, yeah, going to be sick or something? Yeah, but there's no way he still goes. Mm-hmm. They, they escort him back to his seat. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he takes the elevator down. And he finds the little door and he rides the landing gear as long as he can. And then he drops and then he gets out. Do you know how they did the landing gear sequence? Very carefully, I would think. They actually filmed, they recreated the like landing gear, the hydraulics, all that uh, of the plane and connected it to the side of a camera car. And so that's how they kind of filmed that sequence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that now that you say that. Mm-hmm. And he does a quick little parkour, parkour, parkour. And then he's back into the airport and wow, he finds Sully. He's also dry real quick because didn't he fall into a marsh? Yeah, he absolutely did. Okay, but he took his jacket off. Oh, okay. And he was running across a tarmac and nobody noticed him. It was was warm, so that's why he's dry. They probably went, running man. Somebody turn his mic off, please. No, because Running Man didn't come out for two more years. But it might have inspired Running Man. 
So you're telling me that Stephen King was watching this movie. When was, I don't even know why we get into it. I don't even know why. So he goes into the airport, and yes, magically, he sees Sully. And Sully immediately wants to start hitting on Radong Chong's character, Cindy. And, you know, he just keeps pushing and pushing, and uh, Arnold uses that to his advantage, ultimately. And then he follows them out into the parking garage. Mm -hmm. And this is where he kidnaps another woman. Uh, to help him with his mission. Mm-hmm. What other movie does he do this in? I don't. I feel like we were just talking about it. You gonna make me say it? Yeah. You guys fucking suck. Uh, and did you notice when he approached Cindy, where he put his hand around her fucking neck? Yeah, wasn't it around the back of her neck? Yeah. What is it with Arnold putting his hands around fucking women's necks, kidnapping them, and then they fall in love with him? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. What do you think about him ripping the seat out of the car? Uh, he is obviously he obviously has superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. That so, was my thought. So you at, at some point, I just had to get over it. It was a comedic element to it. A little bit, yeah. And then uh, the the way Cindy reacts to everything, I thought she played really well on this part as well. Uh, so he follows them to a mall. And the Galleria. What did you guys think of this whole mall sequence? Well, where do you know that mall from? The Galleria? Yeah. It's been in another movie. Another Arnold movie. True Lies? No. That is the same mall they used for T2. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Which came out seven years later. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that is... Dude, I'm so happy I know that now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that information. Uh, <laughs> so, but what'd you guys think of this whole bit? I really enjoyed having him taking Cindy like this and she wants nothing to do with it, but she's stuck with him. And I thought that it was, uh, terrible that Arnold, Arnold's character on Matrix, for some reason has to have her do the driving. Why can't you just drive? Well, he rips the seat out so he can lay down so Sully doesn't see him. Yeah, but that's why he doesn't drive. Yeah, I know that. I get that. But still, he's willing to drive the car, but maybe it's after that he knows that he's been spotted. Yeah, it's when they go chase after him with the yeah. uh, uh, with the Porsche. With well, the I think Porsche, it's so yeah. funny that he kidnapped her so he could use her to get to Sully, and that plan didn't even happen. No, because she went in and told the cops that she was being kidnapped. She did the right fucking thing. I mean, turns out that and I love how stealth- she was mistaken, but come on. I love as a commando how stealthy he is, you know, hi- you know, hiding by that elevator, just kind of peeking around the corner real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So stealthy. Yeah. Uh, it's like Drax, right? Well, I'm invisible. Yeah. I almost feel like he could have just picked up one of those mall potted plants and just held it in front of him. Oh, my God. That would have been hilarious. And he walks with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he definitely could lift it. Yeah. So at that moment when, uh, when he's uh, been exposed because she, Cindy narks on him. Wanna see me kick some ass? Oh my god, these one-liners from these cops are fucking great. Suspect, six foot two, brown hair. He's one gigantic motherfucker. <laughs> it's like they were just using motherfucker to put it in there. Mm-hmm. But you're right. My favorite one is you guys want to see me kick some ass. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a schmuck. Oh my god. Mall security. And they all have guns, which is weird too, right? 
So they all start chasing Arnold. Sully realizes that Arnold's alive. Thank God this movie didn't get made today because they would have just put out, you know, social media and Arnold would have been fucked. He just pulled his cell phone out and texted him. That's right. So now Sully has to find uh, a payphone. Did you notice that he digs into Cindy's purse Purse for a coin for quarters? Yeah. And apparently he finds it because the way he grabs it and throws it away, it's like he finds it. How, I mean, how lucky is that? Right, that she just had quarters in the exact spot where he was looking in this hurried moment. He could have just called collect. No, that takes too long. Oh. That takes too long because he's calling Val fucking Verde. So anyway, one of our many chases uh, ensue from here. And Arnold runs after Sully, and Sully gets into a fucking elevator. Well, the phone booth bit too. Oh, that's r- oh right. <laughs> Duh. Sully makes it to the phone booth, starts dialing, and so and s- he shoots, tries shooting. Right, and. What does Arnold do? He picks up the phone booth, rips it out of the wall, and then throws it. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And so Sully gets out of that somehow, and he gets to the elevator, and so now Arnold... All of the security mall cops converge on top of Arnold, and then we have that explosion of bodies as Arnold comes up, right? And everybody explodes outward from him. Mm -hmm. Because again, he's a fucking superhero. He should have been the Hulk. He should have been the first Hulk, right? Because that's what I was thinking while all this was going down, and he does that move and everybody flies. I'm like, oh, that's what the Hulk would do. And what do you guys think of his Tarzan swing to the top of the... Fucking love the Tarzan swing. Yeah, right? I mean, it's fun. Well, you got to remember, too, again, this was written by a comic book writer. So it does have a lot of comic book element feel in the, in this movie. Okay. I I chalk it up to action, but I mean, yeah. comic books, I mean, like same with the guys thing, right? bursting off and the Tarzan, all it just felt very comic booky. Like the superhuman attributes that mm-hmm. uh, Schwarzenegger has in this? Yeah, picking yeah, up I, a phone booth and all yeah, that. I could buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Let, let's talk about the car chase. That, that, that silly little car chase that, that they that they go off on. You have uh, you have Radon. You have Cindy. She's frantically you know scurrying down the escalator. She goes out into the middle of the street. Wait! And he stops, and she gets in. Yes. Why is she getting in? Because she's on board now for some reason. Yeah, you think by you know when the security guys were first going after Matrix, she would have taken off. Oh, I would have been. I would have gotten the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I, she, and I probably would have let the one cop shoot him. Yeah, you run to the Orange Julius and get a drink. Yeah, well, and unfortunately, if it would have been us, Jenny would have died. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, I would have been. But Matrix was smart. He took the keys, right? Because when he gets into the car, he's able to start it. So he picks up Cindy, and they chase Sully. And uh, earlier on when Matrix and when Sully first meets uh, Matrix, uh, Matrix tells him, you're funny, Sully. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. will come around here which in a few Which felt seconds. like foreshadowing. No, it didn't. It kind of did, but then it didn't happen. So it's not foreshadowing because it didn't happen. But that's why I said it felt like foreshadowing. But it wasn't foreshadowing. It wasn't. You're right. But it felt like it. No, it didn't because it wasn't. <laughs> because it felt like it. It didn't feel like anything. It felt like a joke that was going to come back and pay off. It wasn't fucking foreshadowing. So we'll say it was a setup for another one-liner later. You can say whatever you want, bud. Uh, it was Matrix, a two-parter. It's a two-parter. It's a twofer. Uh, Matrix gets a hold of Sully, turns him upside down, and he wants 
wants him to tell him where Jenny's at. What's going on? I want to talk about the car crashing into the telephone pole. How is it that these two crash into that telephone pole? No seatbelt, but they're fine. And not a, not only no seatbelts, no fucking seat. But but you did notice that Arnold was very concerned, and he checked on her first immediately. Are you all right? Are you all right? I think I'm dead. You're all right. Yeah. No, good, so he was good concerned. Writing. You know, he didn't just run out to get Sully. He checked on her. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I guess he's a considerable guy. He just ran into a fucking telephone pole. He stole her car. He forced her into this whole situation, put her life in danger. But, you know, he just wants to make sure she's okay. Yeah. And first of all, how are they not fucking dead? Right? Right. Oh, that's right. He's a fucking superhero. Uh, so he, he gets out. He gets Sully. Hangs him over the cliff. The important thing right now is gravity. Which is not his friend, because uh, apparently Matrix is holding him with his weak arm. Mm -hmm. And so Sully... This is my weak arm. I had to remind you, Sully, this is my weak arm. Yeah. So uh, Sully doesn't know shit. He was just he just supposed to meet Cook. and uh, But Matrix already knows that because he found the hotel key or the motel key in his, in his pocket. And, uh, you know, this is where Sully's like, hey, Matrix, you remember uh, you said you'd kill... Oh, no, 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 Matrix. Matrix says... Uh, remember when I said I'd kill you last? Yeah, yeah, Matrix, you did. You did say that. I lied. And he drops him. And I love the camera holding on Matrix as he's watching Sully go down. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he walks back to the car and we get, you know... So now you don't have a car. What? That's what that's or, that's what Cindy doesn't says. Doesn't she also say, "Where's Sully?" Yeah. After that, but first, yeah. but first she says, "So now you don't have a car," and then he flips the car upright, and then they sit in it. Now and I then, do, and then she says, "Where's Sully?" And he says, "I let him go." Yep. So uh, they are on to their next clue, and the next clue is at the Sunsport Motel. And they go into Sully's room. They're looking for clues, and this is where Cook shows up. Uh oh. And uh, he's knocking on the door and Matrix has this idea, you know, act like you've been banging Sally. And, you know, so she, uh, Cindy answers the door. Bill Duke comes in and another fight ensues. What do you guys think of this bit? I thought it was an okay fight. And I like the whole interaction of, you know, I'm a green beret and I eat the green berets kind of comment. You know why he said that, don't you? Why? Because Rambo is a green beret. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. I'm telling you, there was a rivalry going on. And while these films were probably being made around the same time, you know both productions knew of each other's existence. Well, this, uh, I was reading something earlier that said this movie, that basically 1985 is what uh, they say launched the whole Schwarzenegger versus Stallone kind of rivalry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it was Rambo versus Commando. I mean... It's in the names. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So after the fight, um, Matrix lands up winning and impales uh, Cook onto a table leg. You know, the, the dialogue that we talked about just a moment ago that Cook has, the dialogue is so crisp when Cook gives his lines and then it, it, it is just so pronounced. And I, I, I don't know. I was struck by that. Really? Interesting. Um, I thought... Um, I guess maybe a, a, a better fight, but seeing as Arnold is uh, superhuman, you know, uh, he takes care of Cook pretty easily. I like uh, Cindy's reactions. Did you know that, and we've talked about it before, you know, different ad-lib scenes, things that weren't, you know, scripted into it. All of her reactions were ad-libbed. 
That's funny. I, I like the bit where she's going to puke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the right before uh, Cook gets impaled, Cook pulls the trigger. Or right before he pulls the trigger, he says, fuck you, asshole, click. And then, and then Matrix says it right back. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah, and then uh, Cindy somewhere during this fight says, I can't believe, I believe all this, this macho bullshit. <laughs> These guys eat too much red meat. Uh, totally. It just kept going on and on and on and on. So they search Cook's car, and they find a fuel receipt for airplanes. And so that leads them to this airport to see if they can figure out what is going on at this airport? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. This is where it kind of gets a little... It's, it's really wonky. And it's really thin, right? I mean, so on this receipt, it just shows what type of gas... Oh, it was Petraea Enterprises. That's what it was. So the receipt is for Petraeus Enterprises. And so they go to Petraeus Enterprises' address, and it's the warehouse with all the military equipment in it and they and he breaks the chain link right. fence open with his hands with his hands right and uh yeah they use the coordinates and he can read coordinates it, it surprises me that he can't fly a plane oh my gosh and you know just this whole little bit it just cracked me up how comic how, how ludicrous how ridiculous it is that they decide that this island that is circled and a picture of an amphibious plane is what is going to propel us to the next arc of the story and it and it all comes together with uh their rationale of well that's got to be where they're holding her yeah right so it's like a leap of faith what if they were wrong what if it was like, I don't know, um, an old folks retirement center or something? Or just four doors down in that motel. Yeah. Or if it was just four doors down in the motel. <laughs> or, or down on Hollywood Boulevard somewhere. Totally, totally. But, you know, they guessed and it paid off. Could have been in Sully's trunk. Could have been. Could have been. So that now they know where they're going. They know where the plane is, but they have to go shopping. Matrix breaks into a surplus store to equip himself with military weaponry, but is immediately arrested by the police. Cindy helps him escape by using a rocket launcher on the police car, and after commandeering a seaplane from a nearby marina controlled by Arius, Matrix and Cindy land the plane off the coast of Arius's island hideout. Matrix instructs Cindy to contact General Kirby and then proceeds to Arius's villa, killing Arius and his army. Jenny escapes to the villa's basement but is captured by Bennett. Matrix tracks them down, and after a lengthy fight, finally kills Bennett by impaling him with a steam pipe. Kirby arrives with the military detachment and asks Matrix to rejoin the unit, but Matrix declines and departs the island aboard the seaplane with Jenny and Cindy, telling Kirby, no chance. Roll credits. So they're going shopping. I think this was probably one of my favorite bits. You know, he takes a fucking bulldozer, goes into this fucking surplus store. Not just a little bit either. It's like 15, 20 feet into it. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Did they not? And have, where did he get the fucking bulldozer? I don't know. And did they not have alarm systems back in the 80s? It's the 80s. Well, at some point, the. Oh, no, that's not how he gets arrested. How, no, he does. The They're, police eventually yeah, the show police, up. Yeah, they but, eventually show up. So maybe it was the a, 80s. Maybe it was a silent alarm, but they sure took their sweet time. They did, and they were running around. And I love how he knows where the buttons are to open up the back door. The to secret get, area. Yeah, to get the, the really cool weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they load up the Cadillac, and they're about to get 
they're about to make the getaway, but the police do show up. LAPD's finest. And they arrest him, put him in the back of the paddy wagon. Did they not even see, like, Cindy was kind of standing around with him at all? They, fuck, no, I don't she know. was loading up the car, and he was arrested inside the building. So yeah. they didn't think to go look for No, the they had weapons? the guy right there. They didn't think he had an accomplice, especially a woman. Okay. It's the 80s. Yeah, girls can't do stuff like that. Not in the 80s. And we do not condone, nor do we agree with that statement by any stretch of the imagination. Bunch of macho bullshit. That's right. So Matrix is arrested, thrown in the paddy wagon, and Cindy comes to the rescue. What'd you guys think of this bit where she's all Grenade Jones? The rocket launcher? The rocket launcher. Well, hilarious. Well, the funny thing is, you know, I guess she read the instructions on how to use the rocket launcher and shoots the wrong way first. But when she shoots the right way, how did she know she wasn't just going to blow up the police van and kill Matrix inside? Well, because she had a fucking pretty precise shot. It hit the ground and then it launched it up. Yeah, it hit the tire area. But I'm thinking she could have just ended the movie right there. Yeah, well, I Again, mean, he, either, way, either way, Jenny still dies. Maybe right? she didn't know she was in a movie. And why is it when she fired it the wrong way first? She stays upright. And then when she fires it the right way? She falls backwards. Why? Comedic effect? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we'll chalk it up to. That and I read the instructions. Yeah, there you go. So she frees Matrix. They, they, get to, they get to the seaplane. Right. And they take off. Oh my God, this plane is older than I am. Isn't every plane older than she? Probably. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of a silly line, right? One thing I do appreciate about fun. this movie is a lot of times when you have these countdowns, they, they fit so much in that you know like that couldn't have happened in 11 hours, you know? That would have taken a lot longer, even just the flight. The thing I appreciated was he did run out of time by the time he got to the island. I, I thought that was kind of a nice effect of not... He didn't just make it there perfectly and save her just in time. He ran out of time. He did. And because he does, Jenny takes matters into her own hands and she takes the lock off and then she starts picking because she needs to escape because she knows time's running out too. So yeah, Matrix runs out of time and when they find out that uh, he wasn't on the plane, they uh, he immediately says, kill her. So Bennett goes to kill her, and she's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, So she, she was pretty smart in that regard as well. I also liked it how they showed us both planes landing at the same time. The seaplane is landing at the island, and they showed the, uh, the, the, the commercial airliner landing at the same right. time as well. Right, so it tells us, the audience, that this is, this is it. We're down to the wire. Yep. Yeah, yeah and that body was kind of a mess. Yeah, well, it was 11 hours of decomposing. What do you think the smell would have been like? That's what I was wondering. The smell, the... Bodies don't smell after 11 hours, do they? I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen a, a dead body after 11 hours. But that was pretty creepy, the fact that what it looked like, and I'm thinking people get up to go get their baggage and everything, look back there, there's going to be some commotion on that plane. Yeah, and you're are you telling me that there was no turbulence on that flight? Because yeah. turbulence would have knocked that fucking hat off. Yes. It, it probably it probably fell off, and the flight attendant didn't pay it no mind. and just picked it up and put it back <laughs> on the body. Well, that and my other thought was they went 11 hours, and the stewardess never thought of where did that one passenger go? He's still in the bathroom. Yes. He's, he's in the bathroom he's puking still in for the 11 bathroom. hours. So when the plane lands, and then for some reason, we get Arnold, the bodybuilder, getting into the inflatable raft. Yeah, why, Wait, why does he have to be in a Speedo? Yeah, I don't that know. That I wondered, too. But it was it was hilarious. Look, why is he dressed in only a Speedo? I think he was doing it to, you know, get on Cindy's good side. 
Because after he saves Jenny, uh, they're going to be one big family, and she might as well just get used to it. <laughs> well, because that's what he said. Well, Jenny's going to have a little brother or sister after that. Well, probably. Who knows? But Who yeah, knows? and then they get to the island, and is this where we get our montage? It's my favorite montage. It's where he gets ready. He gets dressed. He first gets of all. suited up. He gets suited up, puts on his makeup, and, you know, very reminiscent to another suit up montage we got a couple weeks ago. I kept wondering about the little camouflage face makeup. Did it really do any good? Because he was never behind anything. That made him look like a badass. Mm. That's exactly what it was there for. I was wondering if it was a special kind of a technique that made every bullet shot at you miss. Oh, no. They went to the uh, aiming school of stormtroopers. That's exactly what I put in my notes. Yeah. Stormtroopers. Yeah. So... That I don't think the paint had anything to do with it. He wore what paint. Is the, what does the bandana do for Rambo? It keeps the sweat out of his eyes. Oh, so he can shoot better? Mm-hmm. Well, Rambo doesn't miss. Um, he wears paint on his face because Rambo does not. So they have to, you know, make it different. Make it different. So uh, what do you guys think of this whole as ending he, bit? As he begins his assault. He just systematically takes down everybody. Uh, which one of these was your favorite kill? Mm. And there's a lot of them. They were... There are. I forgot how graphic oh, this movie really was. There was one that did make me go, oh, crap. The saw blade? The saw blades. When he threw the blades and the one scalped the one guy. Yeah, I think that one is... I think that one for me is... is uh, probably the best there is one where he cuts off a couple arms and mess Mm -hmm. but yeah i like the one right before where he he swings down with the pitchfork oh yep yep classic pitchfork but just before that we get the uh, buildings exploding from eight different camera shots yeah well and the tower go, go big he even got some explosives up in the in the in the guard tower yeah yeah that's how good he is the one thing that i I don't know if this was maybe what created the action trope or it's just that they had to put it in, is the hero walking out dead center of people oncoming with him, shooting at him, and he just picks them off, no problem. Well, they're stormtroopers. Well, he's just standing out in the open right in front of everybody shooting at him. Uh, Which gun does he have at this point? Do you remember? Is it it the M50? I think so. With the bullet belt? No, he doesn't doesn't use the M50 yet. I, I thought he was still on the, it looked like an M16. Oh, maybe something like that. Maybe, and then he and and they had the shotgun ac- across his back. Okay, not only is he just taking out people in front of him, but then he turns around and takes out people behind him who are all shooting at him at the same time, and nobody can fucking hit him. Stormtroopers, there you go. Yeah, he gets hit once, like one in the side. You would have never known. Yeah, yeah. All right, he yeah he does. He it's does. just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah. So uh, he runs into Aris, the. One of the bad guys. Right. Uh, dispatches of him pretty easily. Well, they had a little bit of a shootout that lasted a little, a little bit longer bit. than the other guys. Kind of. But, I mean, he was the he was the other tier, right? Mm-hmm. The Stormtroopers are tier one. This guy is tier two. And Bennett, even though he's not the leader, is tier three. Well, here's what I was thinking. Because, you know, we always have our big bad in a movie. Would you say that Aris was the big bad? Or would you say Bennett was the big bad? I know Um, rank-wise, it should be Arius, but really, he wasn't the big challenge. No, and it kind of goes along with the whole uh, Rambo thing, too, right? Who who would be the big bad? In this particular one for Commando, I would say Bennett was the the 
main nemesis maybe um therefore i think we have to classify him as the big bad Mm -hmm. in rambo i don't know if it's the general podofsky or his henchman but one of those two is the big bad you know what i mean so yeah i would say it's bennett i like the word that you used his nemesis and bennett was definitely his nemesis in this movie yeah, I know. That's why I said it. I know. I'm complimenting you. I said it. I like that. Fuck off. Get your tongue out of my asshole, Gary. Fuck. In the meantime, we have Jenny is trying to escape from Bennett. Yep. And uh, a little uh, race around uh, was like a boiler room, a steam room. Is, is that what was going well, on? Well, I figured here? it's, you know, who doesn't have a boiler room in their basement? But what I love is that you had all that boiler room, steam, everything going on. And yet Matrix can still hear her. Oh, yeah, that's right. She Daddy! Says, yeah. And I'm like, wait, uh, did is that house from Beverly Hills Cop? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Very, Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he uh, Jenny is downstairs running around, and he can hear her. And then I thought, oh, maybe he was kind of close. But that's when they super cut... Super hearing. Yeah, but when they cut to it, he had to go down these flights of stairs, around a corner, around another corner. Yeah, his he, super hearing must be in effect. He also had a second stormtrooper scene to deal with in, in the meantime as well. Is this the M50 bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just like, uh, you know, <laughs> all the other movies we talked about, he does not run out of bullets, and the bullet belt just kept getting longer and longer and until he got was able to get rid of everybody, and then the gun finally runs out of uh, bullets but i always remember watching this as a kid and i'd seen this movie a, a thousand times when watching this movie as a kid i remember always thinking uh this part always standing out to me whenever anybody said hey have you ever seen commando i'm like yeah it's a great flick that's the one where the bullets never run out you know so that's what <laughs> i always equate it with mm-hmm. so now we get to our final showdown bennett is holding jenny and so what does Matrix do, but he plays to Bennett's ego? Well, the first thing I thought was funny is because Bennett shoots him in the shoulder, and it looks like it just kind of grazed him a little bit, whatever. But Arnold basically says, nah, yeah, you know, my arm is dead now, and yeah, you want to fight me one arm? But his arm was just fine. Yeah, well, he was, he was using reverse psychology. Oh. If I'm Bennett, and I got them both at gunpoint. And I'm just saying that if I was the bad guy, I'm not saying Don would do this. I would think I was saying if, if I was Bennett, I would have shot Jenny in the head and then I would have shot him in the head. Well, you have sh- the fucking gun. Well, you shoot Jenny, you're going to supercharge him. So I would have killed him first in front of Jenny and then taken out Jenny. Oh, no. If my main goal is to make him pay, if this is a vendetta against him, I kill the kid and then I kill you. Mm-hmm. Or Fuck. let's get or let's get real. Let's get real serious about it. I kneecap you, and then I kill the kid, and then I kill you again. That's a good point. You're a douchebag. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm saying if I was Bennett. Well, I guess in a way I am saying I would do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you would look good in that big metal outfit. You just want to see see me in mesh, don't you, John? You can say it, buddy. What, What is with the scene... First of all, the fact that he's wearing that little mesh armor thing that he's wearing, he gets thrown into the little circuit breaker thing, gets electrocuted, and then just walks it off. Yeah, well, that's how tough he is. <laughs> you know I mean, I'm thinking that the fact that that metal would have conducted all that electricity as well, he would have been smoking at that point. Yeah, well, he was smoking. Smoking hot. hot. Yeah, well, because they had to set up this whole... 
you know, I'm going to talk you out of killing my kid and putting down the gun and fighting me mano y mano only to end up to lose. I remember seeing this for the first time and when, you know, we get to our oh crap death and I'll give this an oh crap death. Matrix gets the upper hand. He takes this steam pipe and he throws it, penetrates Bennett, goes through Bennett into the fucking nether steel pipe and then the steam comes pouring out and you know it wasn't a pipe it was a tank well whatever it was still fucking steel yes okay so the steam comes out and of course you know naturally the line is let off some steam bennett yeah i mean you gotta end it out with a classic one-liner and come on that's a pretty badass death right to to see bennett impaled and then we hear the steam rushing as the camera backs away till finally we see the steam coming out of the pipe the problem i have with it is no human being can make that throw you just said what he's seven times he's a superhero i was being fucking facetious all seven times but didn't mate or bennett also have a gun in his hand at that time no, yeah. he, no, he threw it away. Because he has a no, knife. No, but he picks it up. I think when he gets knocked down, he grabs one of the guns, gets up like he's going to shoot, and that's when the pipe hits him in the chest, I thought. Yeah. I, that and I'm thinking have... he didn't still be able to get off at least one or two shots? No, dude. He couldn't. The guns were empty. No. I don't know. I, I don't fucking know. A lot, of the, a, lot of, a lot about this doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it a fun. But then again, I also think maybe it was part of the storyline that secretly he's in love with Matrix and really he didn't want to kill him. Oh, for fuck's sakes. You overthink shit way too much there, guy. You you believe in love. Not between Bennett and Matrix. Matrix. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't said there was. He kills Bennett, is reunited with Jenny. And the cavalry arrives. And he carries her upstairs. He carries her onto the beach. And that's when we see Troutman, I mean Kirby, come back. And and Cindy flies in as well. And I love how uh, Kirby says, did you leave anything for us? Just bodies. <laughs> come back to the unit. We could use you. In the meantime, Cindy's already turned that plane around. So yeah, Cindy comes in. Matrix tells Kirby to fuck off. They fly away and as a kind of a dysfunctional family i guess or the start of a dysfunctional family and um yeah that's commando hey hey i just thought of something i know where i've seen bennett's chainmail suit before you know what that reminds me of what does it remind you of it reminds me of mithra oh shit oh fuck me and now it's time for john's moment so this is the point each week in our podcast where I compare whatever movie we've watched to the greatest movie series ever created, Lord of the Rings. So for Commando, I'm going to relate the Fellowship as Matrix, Cindy, and Kirby. Our Frodo is obviously Colonel John Matrix. It's his mission to recover the most precious thing to him and destroy the corruption. So Sam, in this case, would be Cindy. Not only does she help Matrix along the way, but she also freed him when he was captured by the police using that rocket launcher. In some ways, I would also say that Colonel Matrix is our Aragon. He is the leader, he is very, has very impressive fighting skills, and he kind of creates his own distractions with some of those explosions and things, you know, explosives like that. So he is also Aragorn. 
Who is our Gandalf? Well, that was a little bit harder because we really don't get to see much out of Major General Franklin Kirby, but he's the one that I would pick for Gandalf because he guided Matrix through the movie. He also was the closest thing uh, that we have to a Gandalf in that he also trained Matrix in his fighting skills. Sauron, he was the villain in charge. So he was the one who was giving everybody the orders. So in other words, President Arius, the uh, dictator wannabe. That makes his second in charge, Saruman the White, Captain Bennett. And while watching this movie, Sully, he comes off slimy, conniving, and a little bit weasley. So I felt like he fit the role of Wormtongue. The orcs, well, that would be all the enemy soldiers between Matrix and his daughter. Middle Earth, well, that's Los Angeles. Mordor would have to be Valverde, the island base. And Mount Doom would be the president's headquarters, where he's holding Matrix's daughter. So what is the precious? What is the one ring in Commando? Well, it's the one thing that John Matrix finds most precious, his daughter. It's the distance between them when she's kidnapped that is the corruption on John. One thing I noticed in this movie is there's almost a little bit of a comic kind of element along the way that he's not the perfect fighter earlier on. He's getting, you know, beat down by cops. He's, you know, fighting that green beret and the kind guys kind of getting, you know, the upper hand on him. But as he gets closer to his daughter throughout the movie, he becomes more of that commando soldier. So for me, when he kills, uh, when he gets his daughter back, that's the moment that he destroys the corruption. Other than that, there's only one other thing I compared in this movie, and that was the Orbs of Seeing, otherwise known as the Planteer. I'm going to have to give that to Avra Cadell, the unnamed actress in the motel scene. And so that is my comparison between Commando and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. Sir? Well, I, I thought that you had a, a, a good pull there with Wormtongue. I liked having, uh, it was obvious, I thought for Sauron and Saruman the White, you have Sam and Frodo, these always come up. And, uh, you know, it, it works when you talked about uh, Mordor and, and, and such. So I, I think I'd be willing to give this probably a B. Yeah, that's not bad. I like the worm tongue thing. Uh, when, I've, when you first started uh, Sully being slimy in this, I thought Gollum. Uh, but then I started to think back and Wormtongue's role in the three films is you're right. He was kind of that slimy, conniving, always going after Hermes sister and, you know, just kind of being a creep, which totally Sully fits. So I think that's probably your best comparison of this film. Um, again, finding the precious in these things is Hard. difficult. Right? Hard. And this one, I, this one's okay. This, this one has legs. Small legs, but legs nonetheless. So I'm going to give you a solid C+. Plus, what about my, my orbs of seeing? Once you see those, you can't unsee them. What, her boobs? Yeah. You see them for like a split second. Well, not if you pause it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was John's. Moment. All right, so what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this bitch? I think we should rate this bitch. Hey, Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. Anytime somebody says, do you want to watch this movie? You are down to watch the movie. A one fuck movie is a movie where you've seen it because of whatever reason you saw it, 
and there is nothing that you are interested in ever seeing it again. It was completely a waste of your time. You got nothing out of it. Sorry, don't don't ever need to see that again. And what is a zero fuck? A zero fucks movie. That is a movie where you feel like that you've been screwed over, and you know what? You have wasted two hours of my life. Fuck you for making me watch that. And in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, this is round 10, guys. This is it. Who would like to go first? Would you like me to go first? Yeah, buddy. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? Man, he's all perky and happy after the grading. Yeah, well, I mean, every once in a while, the sun shines on a dog's ass. And you got to throw me a bone. There you go. So does Commando deliver on our must-haves for classic 80s action movies? We've asked that nine times before. Here comes the 10th. A strong hero with quotable one-liners? I would definitely say so. This movie hit that mark. A crazy level supervillain that only our hero can beat? Yep. Chase scenes and fight scenes? Absolutely. A final showdown? Well, we get two of them. An oh-crap death for our bad guy? I'd say so. Franchise potential? I felt that there was potential in this movie, especially kind of the way it ended, but it never happened. I'd actually like to see them possibly revisit this, that maybe the older daughter now, Alyssa Milano or someone else, gets kidnapped or Radong Chong gets kidnapped, and he's got to now again come out of retirement. So I feel like they could. this movie still has potential. And around a 90-minute runtime, well, it came in on 90 minutes on the dot. In Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the quintessential 80s action hero. It's basically like they made a mold of what, you know, people look for in an action hero, and he hit all the bells and whistles on that. He's got the you know the witty one-liners, the impeccable fighting and shooting skills, the perfect luck, a splash of humor, and the muscles for extra credit. Does Arnold have the acting skills? No. But that's not why you go and see an Arnold movie. You go to see basically him fighting and beating up people and being that uber action hero that you expect. Commando is an over-the-top action movie excuse to show our hero killing over 100 bad guys in all sorts of creative ways. And if you're into that, it's a fun ride. My biggest gripe is the overuse of the trope of all the bad guys have bad, horrible aim. In too many scenes, Arnold stands in front of the enemy and somehow all the bullets miss all of his vital locations. It annoyed me as the movie went on, especially in the scenes on the island that he, I think he was hit once and just a little graze that nobody got any damage on him whatsoever. Kind of took me out a little bit. There are a few other issues, like Matrix having super hearing to hear his daughter in the basement boiler room, Bennett's outfit was a little bit odd, and you think he would have gotten fried with that electric, you know, that electrical unit, but it didn't phase him at all. But as I previously stated, you know what you're getting when you choose to watch a movie like this. Believability goes straight out the window with the first car ride down that mountain. So for that reason, I'm giving Commando three fucks. I felt it was better than Cobra, but not quite as good as Running Man. All right, three fucks from the comic book guy. You want to go there, homie? Sure, why not? What the heck? When I think about action movies, Commando is definitely at the top of the list of action movies that I think about. 1985, what a year for action movies. This year, having 
Rambo First Blood Part Two and Commando come out in the same year. And these are both definitive action movies that I I feel like they set the bar. This is what an action movie is supposed to look like because we didn't necessarily get this kind of intensity out of action movies before these two movies. And I think that Commando is every bit the action movie that Rambo First Blood Part 2 is. What sets it apart is that Rambo First Blood Part 2 is all intense action, but what we get in Commando is splashes of humor. And the splashes of humor make the movie fun. And so each time I watch this movie, I find it fun to watch. And I think it's a fun movie. And because of that, I I really think that I probably hold this movie higher than I do over Rambo just because of the the fun one-liners. He's got several of them. And we have uh, a very likable supporting character in Cindy. I also thought that... uh, Schwarzenegger, he he, his masculinity, his his muscles are, so, he's he, they show him off so much, every bit as much as we got with Rambo, and I just dug his character because he is so driven to get his daughter back that you know, you know, fuck the consequences. I don't care about breaking into stuff. I don't care if I kill somebody because I'm going after my daughter and it'll be okay. It is hilarious having some of these uh, these these things that happen throughout the movie, the whole bit with the airplane. Yeah, here's a picture of an amphibious plane. Oh my gosh. I also really dug the music. The the, the steel drums that that, sp- that are sprinkled throughout the movie, I, I just, it, it was fun to listen to. And having it be a 90-minute runtime, it's a quick, easy watch. And it is something that I just enjoy watching a lot. I, I think that you have some good bad guys in this as well. Bennett, I really like Bennett as a bad guy. And Sully, he, you know, he was a great little weaselly bad guy. And it was satisfying having some of these characters, you know, have their dramatic deaths the way that they did. And the the death for Bennett, I I totally dug that death because it was it was so extreme having him, you know, being punctured with the pipe that has the steam coming out at the end. Hilarious. So I, I think that this is, for me, my favorite action movie of the 80s, and I'm going to give it four solid fucks. Four fucks from the professor. I guess I'll go next. You go next. Thank you. Uh, Commando, definitely a top-tier 80s action flick. Uh, it hits all of the marks. It has the one-liners, the villains, the explosions, the body counts, the runtime. I mean, it hits everything. Does it hit it well? Well, yes and no. This movie is a lot of fun. And going back and reliving it, I remember the first time I saw it, I was probably in the eighth grade. It was at a slumber party. And I remember we watched it like three times. That's how much we loved it. Because uh, they said, fuck a lot. And we got to see some boobs, you know. And in the eighth grade, Alyssa Milano was a crush for all of the boys, right? So naturally, we loved it. Growing up and watching it later, you know, as much as I like Arnold, and I do. I don't mean to knock the guy all the time. He just cannot 
act. And it just, something about it just takes me out of it and almost everything he does. Now, are there movies where he shines and is really good? Sure, there might be one or two. But for the most part, Arnold is the same character in every one of his films. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that's, you know, that's not so bad for people. And for me, I I can see it. And therefore, I'm not always invested with Arnold 100%. When it came down to the 80s action flicks and, you know, the whole Stallone versus Arnold, Stallone's always going to win in my book. Uh, which is why Rambo is my favorite of the '80s movies, but Commando is a close a close competitor to it because it is the answer to Stallone's Rambo that Schwarzenegger had. Yes, they were both released in the same year. They probably were being made at the same time. And like I said earlier, you knew that the productions knew of each other's existence and there had to be some rivalry there, right? I bet you that green green beret line in Commando was a total add-on because they knew what was going on over here. Commando comes out before Running Man, right? And so this whole taking the girl prisoner and the way he treats her kind of thing just kind of rubs me the wrong way. He just feels, he, he feels hulky, right? I mean, he feels like he can't do anything that's subtle or smooth, whereas Rambo can. Um, but that's just me. That's just me. Uh, and I've said it all night, but his superhuman strength kind of comes off hokey in a film like this. Because we're talking about a Green Beret who's supposed to be a real human, you know. I'd buy it if he's a Terminator, and I'd buy it if he was uh, Conan the Barbarian, because that's fantasy, you know. Um, he's almost too strong to be, you know, this military guy. And every once in a while, that'll take me out. But, you know, overall, Commando is a lot of fun. The 90 minutes do move and it's paced well and it is humorous it is definitely more funny than rambo more of a a funny comedic tone and i appreciate that i do but i don't appreciate it enough to um be my top 80s action film and for those reasons i'm giving commando 3.75 fucks So, with three fucks from the comic book guy, four fucks from the professor, and 3.75 fucks from me, that gives Commando 3.6 fucks. Cage match time. Would Matrix have lasting power? Would he last till the end? I think it comes down to Rambo and Matrix. think so? I really do. Uh, Well, again, every punch that someone throws, they'll miss Matrix. No, well, just because the troops have Stormtrooper aim doesn't mean that Cobra does, Dalton does. Well, I mean, they don't we're have talking weapons. about the top of the top. Yeah. That's well, at this point they do. This is like, did you ever do you remember War Games uh for uh NWA or I guess it was WCW oh, two rings. Yeah. Two rings, one cage. Mm-hmm. And so two two would start and then every five minutes they would flip a coin and one person from the other team would join. So it'd be one on two, two on two, three on two, so forth and so, so on. I imagine this is how this battle Royal would be. And now that matrix is part of the mix, he's the freshest. 
Rambo's the second freshest. Interesting. And Cobra's on his last fucking leg, right? Because him and who was number two? Well, what about Dukes? Well, who was number two? Oh, I think it was Running Man. Right. Okay. So those two were kind of on their last leg. Dukes is holding his own. Yep. Right. I mean, he's yep. he's kind of in the middle. Right. He was like number five, number six coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got to decide who he wanted to team with. You know. So it's 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 you got to team up and uh, take out the strongest, and then whittle yourself down until you become the final two. I think the final three. Okay. No. 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 I'm gonna do this. I think the final four. It comes down to Dalton, Dukes, Rambo, Matrix. I like that. Mic drop. Well, I like having the idea of that being the final four, <laughs> but somewhere in the background, there's Robocop on his back just moving like a turtle. <laughs> like a turtle. <laughs> well, I had that pictured in my head the whole time. Yeah. The dead are alive. You're coming with me. Now, the moment you have all been waiting for. The winner. Of the three guys search for the best 80s action flick movie is, well, guess what? You have two choices. You can either check the website or you can listen to a special bonus episode of Three Guys in a Flick coming soon. So with that, we are now going to leave the 80s behind for a little bit. And what did you say earlier is our next movie? Our next movie that we are going to be reviewing is... And this is where I would point you to the website, but we are so excited about this. We we're just going to throw it out there. We get to go see Clerks 3 with Kevin Smith. Yeah, it's, it's a special convenience tour. So, yeah, we get a Q&A with Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited about that. So make sure you listen to that when that podcast drops. And then, as we were stating earlier, uh, Halloween is up next. So... Keep checking out the website to find out which horror movies are going to be on our list this year. And speaking of websites, hey, John, where can they find us? Well, they can always find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we go ahead and post our show notes, movie trivia, anything else we feel like posting there. They can find us on any of the social media websites, as well as anywhere that hosts podcasts. All right. Uh, That is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. I just want to say thanks to Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for always listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I also want to throw out a couple of shout-outs. I just got back from a trip, and uh, we have a couple of new listeners. I want to say what's up to Devin, Robert, and my man, Bill. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know what movies you want us to review, and we'll talk about it. (laughs) No guarantee? No guarantee? What? No, we'll just talk about it. No guarantee? Yeah, we'll review your movie. So, for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Let's prove. The only thing I can do is it's it's not a tumor. You don't even do that well. Come on. (laughs) Let the girl go. And a bunch of other people. I like it with a bunch of other actors. I bet you do. Fuck off. I bet you do. Fucking kinky over here, this guy. Get to cut all of that shit out. (laughs) Streets of Fire. Do you remember Streets of Fire? I can dream about you if I can't hold you tonight. Hell yeah. What?
Julie was nowhere in the vicinity. So when she, this movie she, was she on. was watching this movie with you. Yes. No. All right. Well, what are you? What are we talking about then? What are you doing? What are you? You're, you're derailing us. What are you doing? Why are you trying to put words in my mouth? Why are you trying to do that? I'm not putting anything in your mouth. That's not what happened earlier. But that's not. Wait. No, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff I need to catch up on. What about She-Hulk? Have you caught up on that at all? No. No, Cobra Kai. I haven't caught up. Oh, on. Cobra Kai. Is so Stop good. it. Shut your fucking dirty hole. Do you want to know who the mom you is? You motherfucker. Four point fucks from the professor. Well, I guess I'll go next. Four point. What did I say? Four, four point, point fucks from the professor. Yeah. Four point zero fucks from the professor. Four fucks. Don't tell me what to say, motherfucker. You're the one that gets all anal retentive if somebody doesn't say. And four point. Uh, no, I don't. The first one. No. That's why it was so pioneering. What? Well, we can't leave without each one of us doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Uh, does it have to be from this film? No. Okay, I like that. I like that. Who wants to go first? You want to go with the worst one first? Maybe. Oh, 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 ground rules. No choppers. No tumors. <laughs> That's good. And you know what? You've already been back, so I don't want to hear that you'll be back. Hit me. I eat green berries for breakfast, and right now I'm very hungry. That's good. That was a good one. That's a good one. What about you, homie? I have to think about it. Okay, I got one. I think that's the best one I've ever done. I, that was I was good. I like that one. Uh, how about this one? Uh, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you, dude. I'm just so proud of myself because I didn't think that was going to happen at all for me. I can't think of any lines. Like, all of a sudden, I'm just blanking. Oh, that's a shocker. Dude, do you have performance anxiety? You do, don't you? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Poor Julie. Let off some steam, Bennett. That wasn't too bad. That's not too bad. You started off good. Started off good. Uh, Professor, you were the winner of the Arnold Schwarzenegger contest. All right, fuck off. Good night.